So people are tired of organizations taking advantage of them, not paying them appropriately for their labor, um, not allowing them to move amazing ideas forward, not yep. allowing, helping them to grow and try new things, not allowing them to have influence. Welcome back to the I'm Lost, So What podcast. This is your host, Cassandra Lay, and y'all are in for a treat for today's conversation. I am joined by longtime client Lakita Williams, who is the founder of Co-Create Work. Lakita has over 18 years of diverse experience ranging from corporate sales and training to talent management and organizational development. She specializes in taking a systems approach and works to connect systemic efforts to the individual outcomes at each level of the organization. As a certified professional coach and trained master's level social worker, she has worked with small businesses, organizations, founders, and CEOs to strategically plan and design company culture, lead change, and enhance team experience. Lakita has been quoted in the New York Times and Harvard Business Review and has also just gotten published in Harvard Business Review. I'm super excited for today's conversation because we're going to be talking about leadership, systems, and work, and what it's like for Lakita to live and run a business with a chronic illness. All right, y'all, let's just dive in. Hello, hello, everyone. I'm Cassandra Lay, and you're listening to I'm Lost, So What? The podcast exploring between belonging and carving your own path. For all the peeps out there who kind of know what you're doing, but still question, what the fuck is going on? Yeah, I'm with you. Hello, Lakita. I'm super excited to have you here. Cassandra. I'm so excited to be here. Thank you for having me on the pod. Of course. I think this conversation (laughs) is going to be so good, especially with all of the things that are kind of going on right now in the world. So let's just dive into it so we can get into all of the good stuff. Uh, The first question that I normally ask people is, what does being lost mean to you? And can you describe the feeling of being lost? Oh, what does being lost mean to me? When I think about being lost for me, because I'm a really structured person. (laughs) So structure and guardrails and plans and next steps are really, really important to me. And so if I don't have those things, then Mm -hmm. typically I will feel, I will have a feeling of being disconnected or lost. I haven't ever had a situation where I got lost intentionally. So like, even when I I consider myself as someone who is really risky, so I, I will take a risk or take a chance, even in that there's usually some element of planning for me. Mm. So I think openness to being like, if we think about it, you know, just physically, like being in the wilderness, totally there, but I usually have a plan that goes along with it. So if I, if I was to feel totally lost in a traditional sense, it would be, it would, it would leave me feeling a little bit stuck, but I could think of it within this frame of like loss being an openness, like in the wilderness, but with the tools, resources, and pieces that you need because you carry those with you all the time, right? Uh, As part of your personality and perspective and how you do things. Mm. So then I guess in your sense of being lost, you or we all could never really be lost if we tapped into those tools that we carry with us all the time instead of like looking for the external Absolutely. If you are connected to like, what are my strengths, my ways of being and moving in the world, what's most valuable and important to me, then can you be lost? You can feel disconnected, right? You can feel down, but those internal guides, your way of being in the world, I think are your guardrails. And so that helps you to feel a sense of connection in the best way. Oh, I love all of that. Okay. (laughs) So after that, now I have questions on leadership because I know you are a leadership coach. So I feel like, you know, tapping into those internal tools, um, feeling that sense of connection is part of leadership. So Mm -hmm. how would you define leadership? Oh, I think first I want to just say that we are all leaders. It's it's where I start from. And if you don't feel that your leadership skill is high, it is something that you can learn. So I, I like to just say that straight away. 
my definition of leadership is just a person who is stepping up in the moment and helping us to get from point A to point B. You're a leader in your family. You're a leader when you're in community. You're a leader in your friend group. You're a leader at work. So if we think of ourselves and hold ourselves to this level of leadership and showing up as a leader, I think we can broaden the definition of like what leadership is and what leadership means. Now, leadership in the work sense, right, Mm -hmm. might be a little, I don't know, I feel like we talk about it a lot. So it feels like there's a lot more definition to it. It Mm -hmm. means the person that is making the decisions, or the person that is driving the vision of the organization. But a great leader to me, is always someone who can take in information from various places and help us to chart a path forward and really be really look at the ways and uh, direction that we need to go together. And you can do that again in many different uh, situations, but that that's a way I think of leadership. Okay. I love that. I have two follow-up questions to that. Sure. Uh, The first one is, what is one of the most common misconceptions of leadership that you see? I guess we can take it from like two sides in work and then also on an individual personal level. And then after that question, if I don't have other questions pop up, I'll (laughs) I'll ask the other question that I wanted to ask. Perfect. Let's do it. So misconceptions about leadership. In the work sense, one of the misconceptions, I think, is that you have to have a certain personality type, style, or way of moving in the world to be an effective leader. Mm -hmm. I think that there are key skills associated with leadership, the ability to collaborate, to communicate to others, to hold space for others, have a high level of empathy, and be strategic. Those are skills that you can learn if you feel like they're um, that you don't have a skill in in one of those areas, but you don't have to be like this part. You don't have Mm -hmm. to be like Steve Jobs to be a leader. You don't have to be, you know, like Michelle Obama to be a leader. You can be a leader in your own way. And they each have their different leadership styles. Um, One is more, in my opinion, effective than the other. (laughs) No shade, but in terms of like what leadership is at a human level, not just can I get a specific result at a specific time, but can I get us all there in a way that is transformational, both in the work that we're doing and to an individual personally. That is deep leadership. Big misconception would be that you have to be a certain way to be an effective leader. And Mm -hmm. I fundamentally disagree with that. Yeah, I would also agree. I think that all, I, I have the same concept as you. Like I believe that we are all leaders um, maybe, uh, what we've consumed or the way, you know, the society is, is set up. We were made to believe that we are not, which then kind of, mm, how do I say this? It kind of strips us of, I don't know if I want to say strips us of our power, but maybe it kind of, mm, puts us in a situation where we think that we do not have choice. Yes. When I don't yeah. know if that's necessarily true. I mean, of Absolutely. course, within like, you know, systems of oppression and all of that stuff. Um, yeah. That yeah. does exist. But then also at the same time, I do believe there is choice to do something. Don't know what that is, but there is choice. Yeah. Always. Yeah. That there is always choice. I love this. You know, from knowing me that, you know, I lean much more toward optimism because hope or optimism is all we have, right? And so any situation that would like allow us to feel like we are a victim in this Mm. situation and that we can't tap into personal power is one that I would challenge directly Mm. for anyone. So if, if you are feeling disempowered, it means this place might not be the right place for you. The system was meant to make you feel that way. But ultimately, you want to get into a position, place, um, way of being that helps you to tap into your own sense of leadership, effectiveness. And how do you say, um, like, as I think about it, like, 
ownership, like mm-hmm. that you you have you can direct yourself. And some situations are the right place for you, and some situations aren't. Yeah. Um, but ultimately, you are always a leader. Doesn't mean that you aren't ever a follower. I, yeah. I want to make sure that that is clear. But there is not a moment that you're not in you can that you can't tap into your own leadership, whether that's at work or outside of work. Yeah. Something that um, one of my previous life coaches taught me. Now y'all know I've got, I've worked with therapists and all lots of life coaches before. Um, Listen, we love coaches. Yeah. Her name is Nicole Cruz and she is a, I believe a life and leadership coach now for um, first and second generation immigrant women. Um, Wonderful. Something that she taught me was actually tapping into radical responsibility. Yes. And that really shifted um, my mindset around yeah. just like, yes, things happen. Sometimes they are out of my control. Yes, systems are built to make us feel a certain way and to you know make things harder and all of that stuff. Um, but where can like where can I step into my radical responsibility for my own like well being? Um, and I think that kind of puts that power back to me to be like, oh, well, this sucks. Like, I don't want to do this. Like, why do I need to change? Why do I need to like, you know, shift something? But without doing that, I would just be in my little spiral, you know, petty party or no. I don't know if it's a petty party, but it would be like a, what what is it called when you just like cry (laughs) to yourself? I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, it's given a little bit pity party. Yeah. Maybe. Oh, yes. <laughs> I'm in my own little pity party. Okay. So another question I had um, mm-hmm. around all of this is, you know, we talked about like the misconceptions on the internet. I love referring to the internet as a very valid mm-hmm. source of information. That was a joke, everyone. Um, and I think also in lots of leadership resources, at least maybe the ones that I have read, um, people talk about leadership like empowerment and do you think that leadership is just about personal empowerment or do you think it could also mean something else? Mm. Well, tell me more. So what, what, a, I'm curious to hear from our internet, the internet, folks. our internet friends, <laughs> what, what are they saying? It could be besides that. Um. So another I, I believe it's Shiva Rufe. Uh, that's the episode before yours, Alikita. Um, uh-huh. She is uh, another one of our long-term clients and now-term friend. Um, she's also a leadership consultant, mm-hmm. coach. Mm-hmm. I don't know if she would consider herself a coach. Um, but she talks about how um, a lot of the times leadership development in general well, – kind of focuses on like just personal power. So, you know, like making sure that everybody steps into their Mm. radical responsibility, everybody talks about, or, you know, you have choice and all of that stuff, which I think is important. Um, But something that I I think she really focuses on is uh, community power, which Mm. I think in actually in one of your frameworks, (laughs) that we talked about together is actually bringing in community as well, because like your business or organization, or just like if in within your leadership um, ties in, I think yours was yourself, your team, the business and community. community. Yeah. Yeah. Can you describe that more? Yeah, absolutely. So our framework, is like, we think about this as like the personal transformation is what leads to any sort of organizational or systems transformation. So at the center of our work will always be the individual and it will always have these elements of ownership um, combined with things like well-being, right? That it it starts with us and then the action that we take kind of blooms Mm -hmm. out and has an impact on others. So if we, in that way, the individual empowerment to your point about radical responsibility, our perspective around ownership or personal transformation are critical. They are the starting point in so many ways for us. And then we would say, okay, now what does that mean for how I lead this team, Mm. how I lead this organization, and how I show up as a leader in community? They all come together to create this space where we are doing our best, right? That we are doing our 
best work. We are living our best lives. We have a, a shared sense of connection and commitment, but it, it does center around like what place am I starting from and like what do I want to work on? So the biggest goal for us is that folks will look at their individual strengths, their ways of being in the world and say, I am a leader and I have something to contribute mm. and I can contribute it across these areas. So even if I'm a part of community, I am contributing to that community, my individual leadership, my perspective, mm. my style, my strengths in a way that then makes the community better. Mm. I love that. And I totally agree too. I do feel like no change. I mean, if we want to go big picture here, mm-hmm. um, no change can actually happen unless I believe individuals start kind of like, you know, what you were saying, working towards, you know, understanding yeah. how they yeah. fit in, what their perspective is, um, what their style is. And then from there, I really like the word that you use blooms into something that the community kind of like can flourish on as well. Power grows and grows. Absolutely. But like any movement that we've seen any, even at a community level movement, it, it starts at an individual level and goes from there. Mm -hmm. And then the, the, I think sometimes where the disconnect is, is that an individual might start, might, want to have that transformation or move things forward and then it gets stuck in Mm. some sort of way. So whether that's by a limiting belief that they have, whether they aren't speaking out or connecting with others who can move the mission forward, but it it starts at an individual level and blooms into and is connected to community. Mm, I love that. So talking all about leadership and you were talking about like, you know, there are skill sets that one can learn um, to be a more effective leader. Do you have, what is like one of the biggest advantages of leadership development for everyone? Because I know that's something that you actually offer with your business co-create work, which we didn't name. So naming it now. Hey, that's okay. (laughs) Um, It's so funny. I just have to be because like our marketing partner and you're like, you know what? We should probably say the name of the business right now. I love it. It's never too late. I know. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Perfect. So the question that you have for me, remind me because I got it. Yes. What is the biggest advantage of leadership development for everyone? Yeah. Biggest advantage of leadership development is that it's personal development, right? And we all want to, at our core, the the one of the biggest things for humans after we meet our ba- basic needs is that we want to have impact. If we are going to have impact, then we want to work on our development and it is a continuous cycle. Kind of like I think sometimes there's a a label place that like, oh, this is a person who's into personal development. Yeah. And, you know, everyone else isn't into personal development. Well, they're having some sort of development, whether they're leading it with intention or not Mm. is the question and whether they're growing or not is the question in a way that they want to grow. So leadership development is about personal development. And so when you commit to developing yourself as a leader, then you're committing to all the benefits that come along with that, right? Which is that I'm going to have more clarity about who I am, what I stand for, what's important to me. I'm going to know how I want to respond in difficult situations. I'm going to be clear about my decision-making and frameworks that I apply to my life and how I want to show up for my team, my family, my community. So leadership development is a part of that life development. Mm -hmm. And ultimately, we know that when we are engaged in like development, personal growth, we are getting better, right? That we are holding space for ourselves. Mm-hmm. And that doesn't mean, and and I want to say to that, it doesn't limit, like it doesn't have a limited view of leadership development. So leadership development isn't only working with a coach. It isn't only reading a certain amount of books per year. It isn't only waking up at five and journaling, right? There's all sorts of ways that we develop into the next step of our leadership, right? The transition into our next step of personal development and growth. And so when you make a commitment to say, you know what, I'm specifically going to work on my development as a leader, how I want to show up for community, 
team, family, whatever it is, then you are claiming, right, that personal transformation Mm -hmm. for yourself. And you are also being a mirror for others and a vision for others about what's possible. Yeah. Oh, I love all of that. And honestly, everything that you were describing about like having a framework for decision-making, knowing how you want to show up, uh, taking it back to what you said before about like when you're lost in the forest and like you have like the boundaries or whatever it is. I was just thinking about when I didn't have those things and the immediate emotion that came up in my body as you were talking was this feeling of chaos, like chaos and just personally anxiety for me of like, like I'm just like my mom used to say this all the time and she would be like, I don't like running around like a chicken without a head. Like I, and like without, I think leadership, like personal leadership or just like personal development, I think I was running around like a chicken without a head because it's like asking the same question again. Like, what do you want to eat for dinner? And you're just like, uh, or you try to watch, like you want to watch a movie on Netflix and you're like, what movie do you want to watch? And then maybe you and your friends or you and your partner or whomever is like, um, uh," (laughs) and then you spend like 45 minutes scrolling on Netflix, 45 (laughs) minutes on Pinterest looking for a recipe. That's the feeling that I feel like I have multiplied when I don't have like, you know, my clear values or when I don't have, you know, oh yeah, this is what I want to do. Or if I don't have like, even just like simple lists, I don't like that feeling. Yeah, absolutely. And I think most of us don't, right? And we we also put ourselves in a little bit of danger when we're in that situation, because then a direction we're taking is often influenced by someone else. Mm -hmm. Again, to my point about being a follower, it doesn't mean that there aren't spaces and places for us to follow the lead of others. I follow leaders across many different industries on many different topics. That is okay. But I know my internal principles, Mm -hmm. guidance system, direction. So I can say this is in alignment for me, or perhaps it was in alignment and it's no longer in alignment. So that is why it's important to commit to this level of development, because then you are always tracking what is my next right step. I don't need to know the forever one, but this compass that I have within me, like my leadership, um, we talk at Co-Create Work a lot about like leadership brand, Mm. uh, my leadership brand, I am clear on. So then that will help me in the decisions I make about when, what spaces I want to be a follower who do I need to follow? Who, you know, I know it's the joke on the internet of like, I was influenced, right? Like, (laughs) who do I want to be influenced by? And that I'm always able to check in and say, you know what, it's time for me to switch, Mm -hmm. you know, who I'm following or or in which ways that uh, direction I'm going. And I think it's more important now than ever before, not because I'm not one of those people like, this is the most important time in history, (laughs) Uh, more than ever before because of the amount of information that is coming at us on a consistent basis from social media, from ads, from all the things. So we really want to be grounded. Yeah. Oh, I totally, I totally get that. Um, I think in a later episode in this podcast, uh, we talk about media literacy and how important media literacy is, uh, especially in today's day and age. But yeah, so thank you for sharing all of that on leadership. I have more questions. So I want to get into um, systems and work because I love talking about systems. I know you love talking about systems. So (laughs) what is one system you believe that people need to have in their business, if they have one, Mm. or in their personal lives. And then I have more questions on uh, systems because I could honestly talk about systems all the time. Oh, I love systems. Okay. One system that you need to have in your business. Okay. I'm going to name the one that's most often overlooked. Okay. Project management. (laughs) So a lot of times we'll have conversations with folks and they'll say like, I don't know what's happening with our culture. Like we need to do more fun activities. We need to connect with folks. And then we'll do something like a retrospective, which just asks three questions. What's working? Where are we stuck? What might we do differently? And the places that we're stuck is like, I 
was working on a project and someone else was working on the same project. Oh no! I am not getting updates on the things that I'm working on. It's not clear what my role is. Like all of those pieces and those track in so many ways back to project management. So I'm just going to say if you are using lists and Excel is the way and email is the way to manage things. Oh gosh. I want to ask you to step away from that and identify a project management system and use it. I'm not paid by any <laughs> by any project management tool company, but what I'm going to tell you is that in order for us to work together effectively, we have to have shared language, shared understanding and shared practices. A project management tool is a central way for you to set that up in your business. Yeah. Uh, and of course, with any tool that we have, we have to have the systems that support that tool. How do we use it? What do we mark it's done? All the things. And so some folks may be listening to this like, oh, hell no, I don't want to do that. But what I'm telling you, <laughs> what I'm, I'm asking you to consider is that the effort and time you put in to set that up is going to pay back in dividends. And we see that from everything from retention, to employee experience, joy at work, and personal joy and experience for leaders. So if you are even just one individual who is partnered with someone external, a vendor, even still you should have project management. So that is what I would encourage folks. Oh, yes. So that's the one in internal to work system. A system outside of work. Mm, I have so, I'm curious to know what you said I because know. I knew about the project management one. <laughs> yeah, you knew I was going to yeah. like feel some type of way about that. Yeah. Okay, let's see. So the personal system to use. Hmm. You know, I've been thinking a lot lately, uh, actually, about working agreements mm. and like this system, like setting up a system of shared language within our households. Oh. So one one of the things someone posted something the other day and uh, I said, oh, this is great because like in our family, we call each other the TM. So TM meaning for team. And so our TM, you know, one of the important things says is like, how do we communicate and think about things? Like when someone is quiet. What does that mean? You know, when someone is saying, hey, I need space, what does that mean? If we like, how do we check in with each other? Right. Um, and we have a cadence of like checking in on Sundays. Um, we have two who one in college, one who lives in another state and they call every Sunday. So those are some of the agreements that we have in our family that basically are like, here are the practices we use and the shared like language, shared practices that we use to be able to work together effectively. So I would say that that's a system that we use all the time. Another system that I personally use is energy management. Mm. So I manage a chronic illness. I have multiple sclerosis. And that means that um, some people may, if, if you have a chronic illness yourself or you are associated with someone who does, you may have heard the term of spoons. Uh, so spoons is like the, the amount of energy that you have in a day. And kind of once you're out of spoons, you're out of spoons. You, you don't get any more. And for me, it is very important that I do a good job at managing those spoons. So that's just a personal system I use. So I will wake up in the morning and I will do a body scan to say, okay, how am I feeling today? How many spoons do I think I'm starting with? And where can I allocate them? It literally, Cassandra, took me a year after being wow. diagnosed to deeply understand energy management. So I would think, okay, I can just push through this thing. Mm. Uh, and typically pushing through is not good for anybody. And it's devastating for someone who has a chronic illness. Yeah. And so it was like, okay, I, I can't understand. Like I could do this yesterday, but I can't do this mm. today. Or I didn't do that much today. And I did more yesterday and I didn't feel this way. So managing that system around energy management is critical. Um, I personally think it would benefit 
anybody to track your energy and do energy management, set up like a a process where you think about spoons, of course, not to take away from the chronic illness community, but just in a way for us to deeply understand what well-being is for all of us. Mm. Yeah, I think I got kind of off track there. No, 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 this is great. Um, (laughs) I love all of the things that you just mentioned. Okay, so Just a recap for those who are listening, Um, for the business and work, we talked about project management. Project Um, management. Very important. Please do not project management. What? I just turned that into a verb. Please do not do project management in your inbox. Um, (laughs) I don't know how people do that. Sometimes I talk to uh, my sister who works in corporate and I was like, oh, how do you keep track of like the projects that you have to do? And she's like, oh, I just checked my email. And I was like, excuse me, yeah. you check your email? And and often then- it's not even, so it often it, it is just email and not set up with any, I think someone could figure out how to do it, but often it isn't that level of intention. It's just like going through email yeah. boxes and um, yeah. It's, it's not I've, I've worked with um, some people who have done project management in Slack. I don't know about that one either. Don't use Slack. Yeah. As a tool, y'all. Yeah, I wouldn't either. I would not. Um, that's very difficult, favorite. especially if you don't pay for Slack and then the messages disappear in 90 days. <laughs> um, if people want to email me, I'll tell them my project. Yes. Um, and then for personal, you mentioned um, setting up working agreements with like the people in your life. Um, yes. I really love that one. I think that is something that I've um, been working towards with like th- my family, mm-hmm. with my sisters, mm-hmm. with my parents with my friends. I didn't actually have the language to say that. So thank you because now I'm like, oh my gosh, it's so, it's so clear. And then also the energy management. So that's something that I'm still learning. I feel like I've been on this journey for a very long time and every day it changes just like you shared. So I love, I love all of these. Okay. So going into all of this kind of like moving away from systems and talking about work, I'm very curious because I feel like there is a battle on TikTok um, oh, between I'm millennials. I'm not on TikTok. I have yes. a little secret. I'm, I'm not on TikTok. <laughs> Probably not uh, the best. <laughs> all right. My co-owner, who is also on the podcast, Chloe, yes. uh, is kind of in shock that I, I am not on TikTok. I know. Yeah. <laughs> it's probably for the better, honestly. <laughs> so I'm curious. Um, okay. So I'm a millennial, I believe. Okay. Millennial is millennial, maybe? I don't know. My younger sister is, I believe, Gen Z. So she was born okay. in 2002. Um, okay. In a common conversation I'm seeing on TikTok these days uh, from millennials and from Gen Z is that people just don't want to work anymore. Like we just, we just want to exist. Like the world is you know, the world is hard. We just want to live cottage core lives. That was like a thing for a little bit. Um, oh, what's cottage core? Cottage core is like when you live in the meadows and you oh. basically wear like, you know, those dresses and like clothes. Yeah. That you would wear and just back- like vibing. Yeah. Okay. And you have like a homestead and then like okay. you live off the land. Um, that's work. That's work. I, I know that is work. Like that. <laughs> that's a lot of work, actually. I just want to highlight. Okay, yeah. Go ahead. Um, so that is kind of what people are saying these days. Like mm-hmm. they just don't want to work anymore. So what are your thoughts on that? I would love to know. Uh, what are your thoughts on that? What do you think is causing people to not want to work? And do you have a solution? Mm. I mean, this is a blanket thing. So of course, it d- depends on like individuals and totally work. And- yeah you know, companies, but what would you do to change? The first thing is like, uh, what's my thoughts about folks don't want to work, you know, or what's the reason that some people don't want to work? So I, you know, I actually don't agree that people Mm. don't want to work, you know, I, but I can't go against what someone's saying as their personal experience, right? If somebody is saying, I don't want to work, I can't say, no, actually you do want to work. I, I wouldn't say that, but I think there is a little bit more of a focus on people don't want to work in parentheses than is the actual truth of mm. it, right? That it, as human beings, it is important to us to have impact. So people will challenge this idea of like, folks don't have a purpose or purpose isn't important. Mm. There is not, people want to make a difference. We all want to make a difference in our own way. 
And that is okay. I think what it is a little bit is that it's like, well, I want people to want to make a difference or have an impact in the way I want them to have an impact, Mm -hmm. right? So people are tired of organizations taking advantage of them, not paying them appropriately for their labor, um, not allowing them to move amazing ideas forward, not allowing, helping them to grow and try new things, not allowing them to have influence, right? From a systemic perspective, of course, we talked about the individual power as well, but organizations have not transitioned effectively into the new, like the future of work and what people want work to look like. Mm. I think people have always wanted work to look like this and and some organizations did that and some didn't. But now back to our point about the individual leading to community, the community of people who are saying, hey, I'm not going to do like this work where I'm not having an impact anymore is significant. So then that Mm -hmm. makes a larger number of people saying, hey, this needs to change and we won't stand for it. Mm -hmm. So, you know, we talk to people all the time who are like, they take a sabbatical or they're all for a year or something like that. We actually work with organizations to help their founders be able to take time off. One of our clients took three months off this summer. And without a doubt, people are like, I'm ready. I'm back. I want to be connected. I want mm. I want to do this work. And that's not just folks who are founders, right? So we want to have impact. So if we change the word from work to impact, mm. I think we would all agree that yes, we all want to have impact. And we want to be in places that can enable that impact or we want to do that impact on our own. So I really challenge the idea that there is a huge group of people who don't want to work. Like we talked about earlier uh, about the folks on the homestead that like, that's a lot of work. That is a lot. And that's a lot of work. And that work will impact maybe just their family. But also I would be curious how many of those folks who started the homestead have the supplies and things they need for their family who don't then go on and supply another family yeah, or who don't then invite people to follow on their journey or learn how to do it. That Mm. is work, right? That is work. That is impact. So I actually, at a macro level, don't buy into this idea that people don't want to have impact. They do. Um, It's just that work and impact have not been synonymous and they should be. Mm. Oh, I love this. So I think then this kind of reminded me of uh, this movie I watched. Oh, I cannot remember the name, but my partner showed it to me. It was about this family who the mother passes away and then the dad raises all of the children um, in the woods. I really wish I knew what that movie was. Um, But he like raises all the kids in the woods. They're all homeschooled. They do not interact with like quote unquote, normal society um, and all of that stuff. And in one of the scenes, one of his daughters goes, oh, that's interesting. And the dad is like, interesting is a lazy word. Um, It's like when somebody asks you, how are you doing? You're like, oh, I'm good. That's like a lazy response. Um, That's Mm -hmm. like a blanket thing that kind of covers, I think, what people actually want to say and which connecting it back to your point, I feel like when you were making the differentiation between like impact and like work or Um, Or that it needs to be synonymous or that maybe it's not that people don't want to work anymore. It's that people Mm -hmm. are fed up or we are fed up with doing work that doesn't make impact Mm -hmm. um, or that we are we don't want to do work that continuously exploits us anymore. Mm -hmm. Um, But of course, saying that I think is scarier than saying, oh, I I don't want to work anymore because I could say I'm good. or I could say, oh, that's interesting. Or I could say I don't Mm want to work anymore. But mm-hmm. the, the reality is I have to really get clear on it, which is yes. I don't want to do work like this anymore. I love it. Absolutely. I a thousand percent agree with this. Right. Yeah. Because then once yeah. you say it like that, um, then you have, oh, go ahead. you have to do something. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. You have to, you have to do something. You have to take action. Um, and to your point, you have to get clear. And sometimes that, deeper dive into what is really happening for me feels inaccessible. And sometimes it can feel inaccessible because they are in a place mm-hmm. where they're doing a lot of work, but not having a lot of impact. So it, it they don't even have the space to, to think about it. 
Yeah. Mm, all good things. I don't have answers. Um, okay. <laughs> but these are just Truly. like things that I'm like, oh, where else have I been lazy with my language mm -hmm. describing something that I don't like? That I have a deeper thought about. Yes. Yeah. I love that. I think it's a good reflection. And also from an energy management perspective, you take that shortcut for a reason and you don't always have to go in and make yourself crystal clear. But when it's time to make it crystal clear for yourself is I think what you're saying is like, okay, I'll make the commitment to do that. Yeah, <laughs> which actually it, uh, in one of the previous episodes we talked about um, with one of our guests, Isa, uh, we talked about committing to yourself and mm -hmm. kind of what you were just saying, like when you have the energy time space um, to do it, I mean, you can't commit to all the things because <laughs> you just can't. But when you have that, then it's kind of saying, okay, I commit to this to create change or I commit to this because I want to get to XYZ. So like this year I said, oh, I'm going to commit to getting a Spanish driver's license. That was a lie. So, <laughs> but I, I, I felt a lot of tension and frustration not having a Spanish driver's license this year. Totally. So next year, um, I've already kind of started thinking about, okay, it's not that I don't want to drive. It's I am worried about driving in a different country, but I have more tension and frustration than excuses at this point because I'm tired of my yeah. own shit that yeah. uh, I need to start creating that change to make space, to study, to take lessons, to do things so that I can actually get this license. But anyways, okay, that is about my own personal struggle with <laughs> not getting a license in Spain. So I do want to dive into what it's like for you to live with and run a business with a chronic illness. Uh, you mentioned before that you have multiple sclerosis. What is something that most people don't realize about running a business and living a life uh, with a chronic illness? Mm, yeah, I, you know, the, I was diagnosed in 2020 and each, you know, month, day since then has really been an unfolding and a deeper understanding for me and an understanding also of like what my perspective in life was like before being diagnosed, not just how I was personally and what my energy was like, but also how I interacted with others and the amount of kind of ableism that goes along with like, you know, do, 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 go, go, go. Yeah. And the lack of flexibility and tolerance when people aren't showing up that way. Mm. Um, and so it has really been a learning, a deep learning for me and unfolding for me about chronic illness, what it means, how many people are actually impacted by chronic illness is significant. About 60% of wow. people in the United States alone are impacted by chronic illness. And so it, it has continued to be a journey of learning for me. One of the things that's been most beneficial is learning about energy management and not just applying my, that for myself, but applying that in our business mm -hmm. and how we work together and centering well-being for us as an organization and talking to our clients about well-being and energy management and things like stress as well. And so all of those, I, I think fundamentally the way I think about work, the way I move in the world around work, the the work that I do in the world has been changed as a as a result of being someone who was diagnosed with chronic illness. But it also took me a little bit of time to make a term. And that term was like, okay, I can't do what I wanted to do mm. anymore. And now I just have to have a much smaller dream. And it took me until this year to realize that that didn't need to be the case. Mm. And so that has been a big transition for me this year. Wow. So then talking about like work and how now you are centering well-being for uh, co-create work and then also helping your clients do that, how do you think small businesses or larger corporations, organizations can show up for their teams or partners, collaborators, clients who are impacted by chronic illness? So the first thing is that people have to be able to communicate that they have a chronic illness. I'm, I'm in a lot of support groups and all of that. And I constantly see that people put leaders, folks on notice that they are managing a chronic illness. And then they were taken out of interview loops. They were oh, wow. rescinded job offers. 
they were treated differently at work, which all are illegal behaviors. So I, I, I just named that to say that that's probably not our listeners here, but I want to start with that very basic premise is that yeah. that is illegal behavior and discriminatory behavior. I think the second thing for us to think about is that if we are able-bodied and we don't manage an illness is to think about the perspective of others. So this deep perspective taken of, if I am a leader, I don't have a chronic illness. What do I need to know, understand about people who have chronic illness so that I can then create the type of culture that supports people with chronic illness. And I say that to say, because there, of course, are static steps that everybody can take. But I also want you to be thinking about your specific industry, business, organization, and what that would mean for you. And so in order to understand that, you need to know, you know, what it's like for folks who have chronic illness. So seek to understand um, is a really important practice. And then the other things. So it's about items like how do we manage leave and any policies associated with leave and time mm. off? How do we also create more autonomy and flexibility inside of our organization. Yeah. So there shouldn't be any barriers to someone needing to attend a doctor's appointment, go and take care of a loved one that we should have a process in place where people can communicate the need, do what they need to do, and then have flexibility to do the work that they need to do in the mm. world, right? We're missing, and I'm not trying to make a business case, because it, this is something that we just should do. But it is a huge miss for organizations and businesses to miss the talent mm. of all of these, um, all, you know, all the amazing people in the world because they are being discriminatory or not making, not intentionally making space to bring people in. Mm. So I'll just say that. So autonomy and flexibility our policies are really critical. Perspective taken is also really critical. Uh, remove the barriers that people will have in place and make it easy for folks to be able to communicate what's going on with them and what the needs are so we can build in the type of solutions that would work for everyone, for folks who are managing an illness, to folks who are on parental leave, mm. to folks who, you know, need any other break, to take any other break. I think all of those pieces are, are critical. Yeah. It, there's a laundry list, but I, I just want to, I think if we start there, that it gives us sort of a wave of forward movement, and then we can build on uh, more specific practices that'll continue to, to be helpful. Mm, I love that. I feel like yeah, as somebody who does not have um, a chronic illness, and I consider myself able-bodied, but um, if you all listen to the first episode with my partner, Mario, he does have a chronic illness. Uh, he has an autoimmune disease. And I didn't ever take into consideration prior to dating him because I never knew. Um, mm. But now that I think he is also more open with his uh, autoimmune disease than we can also do like understand each other more. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. It takes a lot of perspective shift to understand. And and I will say like, as somebody who manages a chronic illness, uh, there is also sometimes self, right? Ableism that I have. Yeah. I'm like, I should be able to do this. I should push yeah. through. And so knowing that, you know, just starting from the mindset of believing people <laughs> of like, if someone is saying, hey, you know, I need to shift this project or whatever, trust that, right? And ultimately, as leaders, we all need to improve our sense of trust in others. And I know people say that trust is earned. I tend to start from a perspective of trust. And then if things happen, you know, I, I can make adjustments. Yeah. Mm, so many things, but I have more questions. Like the last two questions before we wrap up. The first one is, do you think there's a nuanced conversation that we're not having enough of? And also um, any last journaling prompts for folks before mm. we wrap up this session? Nuanced conversation we're not having enough. I think we talked about it a lot today. I'm, I'm a work nerd. Like I think about work all the time. I think about the future of work. I think about all the things. So one of the things that 
is that I say all the time is that work changes lives. Mm. Okay. And we are not talking about that enough. Mm. We, this is, you know, the conversations about people don't want to work to the common conversations about authenticity to the conversations about chronic illness all center around this idea that work is impactful in people's lives and it changes lives. And so if we start to have these conversations, not just from what's good for a business, but like what is good for humanity, meaning that like impact and work is is one of those is like a critical piece of that. And that if we can build transformational work, it will have impact not just on that individual but potentially for generations so we should be having that conversation more journal and prompts i you know i have to say this and admit it i'm not a big journaling girly um but one of the things that i do a lot is just reflection Mm And so anytime that folks can take a beat and say, what happened today? What were the thoughts and feelings that I had as I went through the day and reflect on that and get deeper understanding of themselves? I think that that will be really, really impactful. I mean, it's it's been life changing for me. Clarity is one of the things that has driven my success and driven uh, my continued like goal and you know goals and planning in the world. So anything that brings clarity, I think, is worth writing about. Mm, I love that. Thank you so much, Lakita, for joining. I am going to link all of your socials in the show notes. Of course, you are. Yes, um, <laughs> it's at co-create work and also at Lakita and Williams. If for all those who are interested. And thank you again, Lakita. This conversation has been so enlightening, so amazing. Yeah, it's just been awesome. Thank you. It was a pleasure to spend time with you. Thank you for doing this podcast and being a leader. Thank you for your leadership. And it was great to talk to you. Cheers. Thanks. If you're hearing this message, that means you made it to the end of this episode. Yay, thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode and thought to yourself, whoa, it me. I'd love if you could share this with others, post about it on social media, and or leave a rating and review. Don't forget to subscribe too. Want to hang out with me in other areas of the internet? You can follow me on Instagram at CassandraTLE. For brand message and content marketing tips and resources, check out my business at the Quirky Pineapple Studio. Thanks again and see you in the next episode. Stay fierce, fam!